Arise. My lord, an army of the dead gather in the wilderness, and they approach the castle. How far from here? But two days' ride. Then these winged ones are only the first of them. Perhaps we should leave this place as soon as possible. We can be safe in the mountains. Yes, the mountains. It is written, Arthur. It has been foretold. They'll take our souls. I'm afraid. Just swallow our souls. That's it. Go ahead and run. Run home and cry to mama. Me? I'm through running. I say we stay here and fight it out. Are all men from the future loud-mouthed braggarts? Nope. Just me, baby. Just me. <laughs> all right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast. I am Sam. And I'm Will. And it's going to be a fun one today because we watched... Evil Dead 3, a.k.a. Medieval Dead, a.k.a. Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. Oh, what a fun, fun movie. Ah, what a joy. Yeah. What a joy. One of the best part threes out there. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah, yeah I, I'd say Army of Darkness, one of our favorite part threes, one of our favorite movies. Nothing but love here. We're completely biased. It's hard to be objective. <laughs> it's hard to want to watch this movie and take notes. You just want to watch it and it. quote it. It's just... It's an absolute delight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid this podcast might become a lot of that, um, that Chris Farley... Saturday Night Live sketch. Remember that time when you know, when when <laughs> Ash did that thing? That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it's probably my favorite movie that we've watched so far. We maybe you could argue we've watched better movies, but it's definitely my favorite movie that we have watched so far on the podcast. Yeah, I think so too. I I mean this it's just from front to from start to finish. This movie is just so much fun, and uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know what more there is to be said except it's it's so great, um, and it was it was such a joy uh, to watch it. <laughs> so, a little background on Army of Darkness: it's the third movie in Sam Raimi's Evil Dead trilogy, and the Evil Dead trilogy is essentially, let's say, three different ruminations on the same idea. <laughs> One is a low-budget horror. One is a slightly less low-budget horror comedy, and then the third is a medieval horror fantasy time travel adventure. And with with a huge skew towards comedy. Yes. <laughs> All three of which Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell's love of Three Stooges-esque physical comedy becomes more and more front and center, and yeah. rightfully so, because it's always been the best part of these movies. <laughs> the original Evil Dead, The Evil Dead, was filmed in 1979 uh, and ultimately released in 1981, and it's probably the quintessential low-budget horror movie that became a massive financial success. I can think of—there's plenty of examples. You've got Night of the Living Dead. You've got The Blair Witch Project. Um— you know, there's a lot of different, like, and in terms of, like, indie movies that became huge critical and financial successes, you've got Clerks and uh, El Mariachi and Reservoir Dogs and things like that. But this one, 
I think for Will and myself, and I don't want to speak for Will, but I'm, I'm going to, <laughs> is probably the most important one to us. Yeah, I think so. Too. I think so, too. I mean, like, Sam Raimi and, and, and the Evil Dead, I mean, that was sort of the quintessential, uh, a bunch of buddies going out into the woods, making a movie, and then, you know, that being their calling card, and then being able to make sort of whatever else they wanted. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it originally, the original initial production budget, they raised $90,000 for this movie, and it ultimately grossed $2.4 million in the U.S. alone. And it's never been pinned down, but it's anywhere between like $3 and $30 million internationally. And its final budget after they got distribution and advertising and marketing was still only about $375,000 total, yeah. which yeah. is insane. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a testament to Rami and, and Bruce Campbell and all those guys, because they were all basically just doing every job you can on a film set. Um, and Bruce Campbell had the additional <laughs> job of acting. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just how much those guys, how much Rami and all of those guys just bleed cinema and just, like, understand the grammar of cinema to an extent that, like, that's why that movie hit as big as it did. And unlike other filmmakers, like, I'd say unlike Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, I feel like they bleed making movies even more so than, like, knowing about movies. Right. Like, yeah, that, you, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. 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 It's, like, they understand just the grammar of cinema, whereas, like, Rodriguez and Tarantino and Kevin Smith, they they come at it as, like, with homage and references and it's not like that's bad it's just very different than the way that Rami works Rami's a lot more similar to like Spielberg and the way that he makes movies you know what I mean in, in terms of the way he constructs a, a visual story yeah he's closer to Spielberg or I'd say Scorsese in terms yeah. of he yeah. has a visual style or actually fittingly the best example I would compare him to is the Coen brothers well, right. Because yeah. they, they came from the same, like, place. Joel Cohen famously was an editor on The Evil Dead, and they collaborated on a lot of different projects over the years. Sam Raimi wrote the script for The Hudsucker Proxy. Bruce Campbell's been in Coen Brothers movies. Uh, yeah. Sam Raimi's shown up in Coen Brothers movies. <laughs> Their style, like, uh, Raising Arizona is as close as you'll get to uh, Sam Raimi directing a Coen Brothers movie, I'd right. say. Like, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the Evil Dead... POV cam is all over that movie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and they, they lived together in a in an apartment in Silver Lake along with Kathy Bates and uh, uh Holly um, Hunter. Holly I think. Hunter and um and uh why am I blanking on her Francis name? McDormand. Francis McDormand, thank yes. you. <laughs> Will and I were in film school in the early two thousands, and I'd say we both prior to going to film school learned about the making of Evil Dead and Every chance either one of us could try to lift techniques they used and just just for the just to, for the experience of being able to do it. The Evil Dead, like all three of these movies have that very famous point of view shot running through the forest, chasing after Bruce Campbell. And all that was when they filmed the original was they bolted a 16 millimeter <laughs> camera to a two by four and had two guys running through the woods with it. It's so simple and it works so well and it's. Like, the original Evil Dead, if you've ever seen it, is 
janky in the most charming way a low-budget horror movie can be. Because you can see all the seams. Everything (laughs) is like, it's it's not like a clean and polished movie by any means, but the creativity at play and just the energy of the movie is like elevates it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I would honestly, I would put evil dead, even though it's not the one I watched the most in terms of these indie movies, like super low budget indie movies. I would put the evil dead above clerks. I would put the evil dead above uh, Blair witch project as one of the best of these. It's, it's everything you want to see if someone tells you about like local local filmmakers make good. Well, I've got a camera and I've got I've got a cabin in the woods and uh, I've got my friends. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like horror cells. Let's try yeah. that. You know. Yeah, it's... let's let's do that as our calling card. And Evil yeah. Dead is like as famous for what a miserable shit show of a production it was. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a miracle any of these guys wanted to work together again after this. Right. Yet a lot of them came back for Evil Dead. Too. And, he, and Army of Darkness. Evil Dead 2, I mean, that's... I saw Army of Darkness first, and then I saw Evil Dead 2, and then I didn't see Evil Dead until way later. Um, but uh, Evil Dead 2 is just just banana pants crazy filmmaking. And it's like, it doesn't even really have a story, per se. Well, it's, it's just... basically um, a remake of Evil Dead with a bigger budget and more comedy the original <laughs> Evil Dead was completely independently financed, and then they got picked up for distribution by Irvin Shapiro, who was just your classic Hollywood like distribution guy. Where he's like, I think we can make some money off this. <laughs> uh, he had just he'd done distribution for Night of the Living Dead. He'd also uh, done the U.S. distribution for like Breathless by Godard. He introduced oh, wow. a lot of those movies to U.S. audiences. He came up with the title Evil Dead. Because he thought Book of the Dead would turn off audiences. He said, people don't want to read. You know? <laughs> and then he produced, um, he and Stephen King helped bring Evil Dead 2 to Dino De Laurentiis. Right. Dino right. De Laurentiis was producing Maximum Overdrive with Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> and Stephen King, who had done a lot of, like, he'd given a pull quote to Evil Dead. He was a big fan of these movies. He got Dino to pick it up. Sam Raimi originally wanted Evil Dead 2 to be set in the Middle Ages and include time travel, and Dino De Laurentiis was like, no, I want you to make something just like the first one. (laughs) And so they did. Like, Evil Dead 2 starts with a whole, like, reshot prologue that's essentially the first movie, and then just goes bigger and crazier, and ultimately ends with Ash. Ending up in in the Middle middle Ages, and... uh, uh... But it, it also gets funnier, too. Like, Evil Dead 2 is so silly and so bug-nuts insane. Uh, like, the things that happen in that movie, like, I think when I saw that when I was, like, 12 or 13, I didn't quite understand, like, the things that happened in that movie are not supposed to happen in movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I saw them in order. I, for the longest time, didn't eat... In the video store, the Evil Dead 2 video was always very prominent with the skull with the eyes looking at you. I didn't really know Army of Darkness was related to the other two until late in the game, and then I... So I watched them in order, and, you know, Evil Dead is trying to be a horror movie. It's a gross-out horror movie with a sense of humor. Evil Dead 2 is a full-on horror comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and yeah, I saw, so I saw Army of Darkness, uh, the my spring break of sixth grade. Um, I rented that and The Frighteners, 
and those two movies probably imprinted on my brain more than almost anything else. Uh, but before before that, it was RoboCop that made me want to become a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, I would say the the Evil Dead movies, at the very least, crystallized for me that oh, I can do this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it just. Uh, yeah. I mean. The tonal shifts and how controlled they are, especially in Evil Dead 2 and in Army of Darkness, where they can flip from sort of the action movie moments to the horror movie moments to the comedic moments, are so well done. Um, it, it's such a hard tightrope to walk, and they, Raimi just does it so, so well. Yeah, and I mean... I think it goes without saying the 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 thing that makes all three of these movies work is that is is Bruce Campbell as your lead, right? Like especially yeah. in two and three, yeah. uh, like he he's he's like his gift for physical comedy. He's he's a like he's a very handsome leading man, but he has no ego about just continually letting himself be abused on screen. <laughs> It, it's but it's almost like he's too handsome as a leading man. It's almost like yeah. you look at him and you're like, you came out of a vat somewhere. Like you were like, you look he too look good. he looks the way everyone talks about John Hamm and things. Yeah. Like John yeah. Hamm when he was on Thirty Rock, they were like, he looks like a cartoon pilot. You know, that's that's Bruce Campbell. He's got the incredible chin. He's just got like he's got that shit eating grin on his face, and yeah. you know, Ash. They they love to hate Ash, the filmmakers, yeah. I mean. Yes. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell <laughs> do not they have no ego about Ash. He's he's not cool he's good at fighting deadites, and in every other way they consider him to be the most <laughs> cowardly, idiotic fuck up on the planet. Yeah. He's good at one thing and he's and sort of accidentally good at that. And if they had their way, he wouldn't even be that great at that. They talk right. about in the commentary for Army of Darkness. The point where he runs off and Lord Arthur says, come back, you coward. And then he comes out on the death coaster. Right. In one version, they were like, we really just wanted it to be that he ran off and was hiding in a closet the whole time. <laughs> and they find him at the end like, no, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, man. Can I just say my big beef, not with this movie, it's actually with another movie about this movie. Can yeah. I just, I want to get this up, up front. Beef away, my it, friend. It bothers me to no end that in High Fidelity, when they're talking about Evil Dead 2, they're really talking about this movie. This drives me crazy. Yeah, it, it's, I love that ex that sequence and, and High yeah. Fidelity. Was like, I, what would it mean to you if I said, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. But what they describe is it's scary and it's funny and the soundtrack kicks fucking ass and we had that whole conversation about them making shotgun shells off screen in the 16th century. That's Army of Darkness. So they they just got their wires crossed, you know? Well, well, sure, I can understand that from some perspective, but I don't understand why Jack Black as a character would have his wires crossed. He would know this. He would know... Um, you know what? He was probably, they probably saw them as a double bill and he was <laughs> baked out of his mind. So he doesn't really remember what movie they were talking about when. All right. All right. Though it Fine. would, again, the movie set, it, that movie is what? The year 99, 2000? Army of Darkness came out in 93, which would time out with them having seen it. Like him, them all have seen in it the together theater. versus yeah. Evil Dead 2 is 87. So yeah, no, yeah. fair beef. <laughs> We can, uh, we could, if you want to, if anyone wants to DM John Cusack on Twitter 
and and ask him about it. I'm sure he's never had this question before. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but Army of Darkness is uh, basically uh, Sam Raimi had done Darkman. He'd had a little success. D- Dino De Laurentiis produced. They got to Universal to distribute. They had, you know, an actual budget compared to the first two. They had about $11 million. Yeah. And uh, they just... I, they every penny of it's on screen. Oh yeah, and then some. No, it was clear. You know, you can imagine some filmmakers being like getting handed a giant studio budget, being, "Oh great, I'm just gonna hang out. I'm gonna have a trailer. I'm gonna have assistants doing my thing." It's like this. That was clearly not where they went with this. They were like, no. "Oh great, I've got a bigger budget. Let's see what I can do with it." <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's they had pushback from Universal at every step of the way. I'm I think because sure, Universal yeah. was just like they, what is this? You know, <laughs> this is a sequel to something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, yeah. I mean, and watching it this time around, I just half of it. It just feels like the inmates are running the asylum. It just like I, I'm amazed at the things that they're that they were allowed to get away with that no one sort of was like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't have. It's geysers of blood shooting everywhere and you can't have the guys doing kung fu like all this stuff like it's uh but they they got away with it they just it seemed like you know and uh, you know at the time you wouldn't have a character like ash as the lead in like a serious semi-serious action fantasy movie like in 1993 still actually this kind of movie would either be very earnest, and you'd have Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone, or Jean-Claude Van Damme as the lead, or it would be a full-on comedy with, like, Chris Farley or Pauly Shore getting thrown back in time. Well, and and that's that's the thing, and what's what's so great about Bruce Campbell is that he does straddle that line between the really goofball, like, goofball energy of a Chris Farley, but also can be an credible action hero, too. I don't think... Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi get enough credit for basically creating the template for every Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe hero. Well, Ash it, is Tony Stark. He's Star Lord. He's you know he's certainly Star Lord. Yeah, you see a lot of Ash in Star Lord. Um, not not so much in Tony Stark. I think. Well, maybe his his uh, his his braggartness, but um you, you don't tony stark's not a coward like ash is no that's know? true yeah he's uh thor though there's a lot of thor a lot that. of like, thor yeah. but it is like buffoon who is also a badass yeah exactly yeah the scene where where princess sheila comes in to talk to him and he's like your primitive mind wouldn't understand polymers or, and like, you can tell like he, at a moment, he's just like, I, I, I don't know what the next thing is. I need to say as <laughs> like, like an acting choice. He's clearly he's, like, I don't, I'm out of my doubt. Oh, he is such a piece of shit to he's her. Such it's an asshole. He's such an ass. <laughs> oh my God. It's he's, he is such a fuck up, but you cannot help but love him at every turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also, you know, you get the impression from that, at least if you've seen Evil Dead 2 or just from the opening narration, you get the impression that he, like, the experience of Evil Dead 2 drove him insane. (laughs) Yes, I was actually thinking that this time. If you watch Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness all together, or if you, there's those cuts where they edit, because, like, the final shot of Evil Dead has, like, 
a counterpart in Evil Dead 2 about 15 right. minutes in. If you watch it all as like, this is one horrible <laughs> like weekend for this poor guy. This is a guy who has gone completely insane. Yeah, it's like his mind has just snapped. And become like a caricature of himself. It's not all in his head. He is going through this hell. But it's like he's he started out as like kind of like a sweet guy giving his girlfriend a little necklace. And by the end, he's got a chainsaw for a hand. And he's fighting like ro- robot skeletons in his Oldsmobile that's been turned into like a medieval killing machine. I, I have to wonder what it would be like. And I've never done it. Have you ever watched any of those cuts where they cut them all cut? all three movies together to make one super movie. I I did once. I mean, the biggest thing is, unfortunately, is you lose, like, 15 minutes of Evil Dead 2. Right. Which is, like, it, it's all... St- like, you you lose, like, uh, all of the stuff with the second Linda of his right. three... The yeah. three, uh, three girlfriends uh, before... She, and you would lose all the flashback stuff from the beginning, the beginning of Army of Darkness. So you'd lose Bridget Fonda as right. well. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't imagine it would be a terribly satisfying experience. No. It, it might be kind of interesting, but just sort of, it wouldn't feel, I don't know. Because they all feel very complete as movies. Yeah, it's like watching Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3 together. You can watch <laughs> Alien and Aliens together, but if you watch Alien 3 right after it, oh, that's a come down. <laughs> that's going to bring you right down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, it, like, so, like, as a trilogy of movies, though, this is kind of like, it's a very unique in that it's three movies in a trilogy that, do have kind of a complete story, especially uh, if you use the uh, theatrical ending to Army of Darkness. Right, He yeah. comes back around. Uh, <laughs> and each movie has its uh, its own distinct identity. And independent of like what its budget was and how it was made, Sam Raimi very consciously made three different types of movies, and you just never see that in single franchises anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you only see it kind of like in uh, in spiritual sequels, like we were talking about with World's End, you kind of, you'll see three different identities, but it's rare to see it in one, uh, you know, franchise, so to speak. Yeah, um, unless, unless it's a franchise making a very conscious gear shift, like Batman Returns to Batman Forever, or... Right, or a Bond, know, maybe, but... Yeah, or the third Thor versus the first two. Right. Uh, but it's... Very rare that there's, you see this kind of, these kind of tonal shifts and genre shifts with a com- almost like universal continuity of people behind the camera and the same lead in all of them. I mean, I think it helps that this sort of comes from the independent, like the independent world, so to speak. Like, you know, it, it, it's not a big studio thing. It's not owned by a corporation or anything like that. And it, you know... Uh, so it's coming from sort of one singular place. Um, and it doesn't have aspirations to be a big epic like the Matrix movies. Um, you know, it, it's kind of... it. Each one, each movie is the filmmakers being like, well, let's try this and see if it works. Yeah, you know? it's, it's the Evil Dead versus the Matrix is the difference between like when you get to do your passion project after your uh your <laughs> your successful indie movie yeah. versus when your passion project is your successful, successful indie, indie movie, movie. Yeah. like 
There's no soft... Well, he had a sophomore slump. He had Crime Wave, a movie <laughs> no one has ever seen, and I'm not entirely sure was available to watch until Shout Factory got a hold of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is... Yeah, it's... These movies, too... You know, it's a blessing and a curse. They were never... success. They were successful enough to keep making them, but not successful enough that a studio decided it was a brand. Right. So, Rainey yeah. had control. It's why... Army of Darkness, everyone feels excited and vibrant, whereas Spider-Man 3, everyone's a little tired. Everyone's (laughs) feeling the weight of the responsibility of being custodians of Spider-Man. Right. Well, and, and, I mean, it also helps that there's just such a, you know, a big time gap between each movie. Yeah, it's true. There's, it's like six years between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, and like another six years between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. So it's like everyone kind of has enough time to recharge. Yeah, that's that's something we'll talk about definitely with the Alien movies when we get to them, because those have... You know, definitely they kind of there's a, a little bit of a drop between the first two and the second two, but there was there's a five year gap between each one of those movies. The difference yeah. there is that's a series where they managed to somehow score four auteurs in a row <laughs> to make them, <laughs> as opposed to one. It's like there's no there's no one filmmaker behind the Alien movies right. as much as Ridley Scott would like us to believe it's him. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and and the Alien movies also, I mean, it does, they do have sort of a, a each one is a different genre thing like, the, like this one does, but um, they do all feel at least of a piece. Yeah. You know, well, it's they're, not... And, the, and they're telling, uh, Ash and Ripley really both go through the same Dark Knight of the Soul. <laughs> they really Neither, do. Those are the two characters in cinema that never get a break. No. They never, they never get any downtime. it's like especially if you watch the director's cut of army of darkness where there isn't a happy ending yeah yeah, everything is like awful for ash all the time and one of the things that i thought was really fun about the series um ash versus the evil dead was how much it, it, it explored that idea of like this one guy has is being fucked with by these demons forever and he'll yeah. never get away from it and he doesn't want it he doesn't want the responsibility it's i think only at the very it's in our it's like in each of these movies well like the second two like evil dead 2 i i think we keep saying it's evil dead 2 is is evil dead but like they've had a little more time to think about it and yeah. they figured out like ash is the lead in evil the first evil dead it's not even clear Bruce Campbell's the lead of the movie until he's just kind of the last man standing. Yeah, it's much more of an ensemble piece. Yeah, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are basically have that moment where he is like, it's not so much he's going to do the right thing and be the hero, it's where he's like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm tired of running. Let's like let's like build me a chainsaw hand. Let's just kill these things. <laughs> And he has that moment in Ash versus Evil Dead as well, right? And uh, and which led to like the end of the third season, and then the show got canceled. But like the end of the third season still feels, it feels Pretty like a, a good ending for Ash. Yeah, he's never gonna be free of this. <laughs> I mean, even in the theatrical ending, it's like in the theatrical ending of Army of Darkness, it's like, oh, he's still gonna just have to keep dealing with this shit. Yes, in no small part because he is a complete fuck-up. It's his own damn fault. Yeah, he can handle himself, but he's just, he can't not 
screw up just enough to keep the evil from rising again. He can't remember the words. He just can't remember the words. There's too much to remember. <laughs> he's, he's so defensive about it. Just like, I didn't say every single last syllable, but I said them. <laughs> oh my god. Um it's just it's got such a fun energy to it. And yeah, it's you can watch this without having seen the first two and have a great no. time. It's Yeah. It's and it's obviously taking its cues from Ray Harryhausen and, yeah. and sort of it's got the stop motion fantasy skeletons with the angry uh, the angry brow that yep, skeletons yeah. don't have in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, just there's there's something so funny about the hero, uh, a hero of a fantasy movie accidentally creating his own the villain of the fantasy movie that's just his shadow self. You know? Yeah. Which is a weird thing that um, kind of is is lay they they lay the pipe for that through the first two movies like yeah. Mirror yeah. Ash and Evil Ash is is always there, and yeah. uh, like he comes out of the mirror in this one as like the little tiny ashes yeah. and yeah. then it grows inside him. <laughs> uh, the Evil Ash makeup designed by Tony Gardner, who uh, would later go on to design Daft Punk's helmets. Oh, so wow. you know that was a fun fact I learned. That is a they, had a, fact. they had a good makeup crew on this because they yeah. had uh nicotero and kurtzman who worked on evil dead 2 worked on this one so they just you know they want they made all their horror hags and yeah. deadites <laughs> and you know it's it, they did a good job like making it the stuff just horrific enough but it feels less there's less gross out humor in this one versus in the first two yeah there's there's not like that moment in Evil Dead 2 is the one I'm more familiar with, but there's not that moment where, like, the eyeball goes flying into the, uh, the yeah. girl's mouth. Or and, him chopping off his hand and his severed hand going right. around everywhere. Yeah. The first Evil Dead is just, like, how much, like, cottage cheese and cat food can we have spew out of these things onto Bruce Campbell's face? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. What a nasty, nasty little movie the first Evil oh, Dead is. Oh, it's so gross. It's just, yeah. it's, it's not even, like the goriest movie it's because no. it's like they always would sort of make everything a little bit more fantastical than a than a like a george romero zombie movie but it's like it's it's got a it's it's a goopy gory like bleh, like gross out movie yeah by by design and yeah, it's yeah. you know them working like the whole last like 10 minutes of that movie are like this insane like claymation monsters like melting and ripping apart and it's it's just pure chaos and it's all yeah. happening with it all just sort of plopping onto bruce campbell's <laughs> face the whole time the the moment in this movie where i where i just i remember when i was 12 seeing it and i was like this is one of my favorite movies ever made was when um the guy the first guy gets thrown into the pit with the witch and just that geyser of blood shoots out oh yeah that's when i was like oh yes i love this movie and every time i've seen it since i laugh and laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, uh, the extras are all very over the top it's it's, yeah. <laughs> it's very like a real ren fest cast that they got for this well it also has that that element of um have you seen excalibur the john borman movie oh god uh i guarantee you i i fell asleep watching it not not just by i made a mistake of watching it like after 9 p.m right so, yeah. you know. <laughs> but every it seems like every line of dialogue in that movie is shouted and that's what this feels like all the like 
all the British folks, all the you know yeah. the medieval folks, are all like yelling all of their lines into the just... pit where those bloodthirsty <laughs> sons of wolves. I also hadn't noticed, or maybe I, in the sword boy gag, like every oh, time he needs something, he's like sword boy, and then he just kicks him away. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they, these these medieval guys cannot wrap their heads around what a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> No, they really can't. Uh, and I like how they fall for the shoelace gag. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Your shoelace is untied. But it makes it funnier because they don't have shoelaces. So it's it's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, uh, I counted four Ted Raimi characters in this one. Oh, well, he's, well, he's in the, at the end. He's at the, the end. He's at least three different uh knights uh in different scenes they just change his mustache out because when he couldn't when sam remy couldn't abuse uh bruce campbell he would abuse Abuse ted rainer (laughs) put him in as much latex as humanly possible Uh, i mean so much stuff one of the things that i also hadn't noticed or i you know hadn't noticed noticed this rewatch was um when uh, when he swallows one of the little ashes, and one of the ones in the foreground is like screaming hysterically, and the other guys have to carry him. Oh off. yeah, he's like freaking out so much that the other little dudes have to drag him away. I love that. I had forgotten that moment. It's just it's it like nonstop Three Stooges humor. Yeah, uh, you know, like it's there's. It, it's 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 a world where like anyone else can die, but Bruce Campbell will suffer like Curly and Larry do, in that he will have horrible trauma. But you know he'll have his face smashed against like a hot stove. But as long as he can scrape himself off with a spatula, he will be unharmed for further further abuse. Yeah, yeah, no, and having him play the villain as well was inspired because you know it's it's you kind of need a villain in this one, and no one can match that energy. But Bruce Campbell, and he's clearly having a ball uh, under all that makeup, which I'm yeah. sure was was so much fun. Yeah, with to his do. jaw that keeps coming uh, undone. Yeah. Sally far, ah. Sally far, <laughs> Sally far. Oh my God! How many years did we all like pray that we would get more Evil Dead? And, then, <laughs> and like, and, and I'm not saying that in a way like where Brute Ash versus Evil Dead was ultimately disappointing because I think it's great, but it's just like. I, I all I this is one of those ones where I think of it like everyone for years would just ask when are we getting Evil Dead Four? Yeah, yeah, and then and then they did they kept teasing it of bringing Ash back, and they did the remake, which I didn't see. The did re- you see it? I did. It's I honestly don't hate it. It's very different. Um, it's full on horror, and it's right. the gore. It's like really gory, but much more realistic gore. Right. It's trying to be its own thing, and they sort of make hints to that this is a follow-up to the, uh, like, this exists in the same world as the first three movies. But, you know, it's just, it's it's off on its own little island. It's not like, and that's to its credit, it's 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 not trying to be Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2. Yeah, which I think was probably smart. I mean, uh, you know, maybe the hardcore hardcore fans weren't, uh, weren't pleased, but I think that's smart not to try to be like well here's the new ash and here's the new you know all this stuff and 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 i'm sure they considered it but it's like ash is like freddy krueger i think you can only have there's only one guy that can really play him yeah and and it's just it's it's a hard i mean physically hard but it's also a hard acting tightrope to walk like yeah 
it's hard to walk these two lines that don't work all that well together all the time, you know? It's hard to walk being like, I'm terrified, but I'm also a badass, but I'm also a, a you know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. he's a really hard character to do. And, you know, mo- it's, it's every Chris Pratt character since he was Star-Lord. It's, um, right. it's Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. It's, um, yeah. you know, I can think of a few others. It's easy, it's, it's very easy to make a hero who's an impulsive goofball moron, but he's also super cool. But usually <laughs> it's like the film can't commit one way or the other. Like I right. think of Chris Pratt, not so much as Star-Lord, but Chris Pratt in those Jurassic World movies. Oh, yeah. The, like, yeah. He's, he's you know, he's a loudmouth and he's a dude and he wears board shorts. But he, like the movie still needs you to think he is so cool but he's also super competent too yeah like it's not like it's not like ash who like like we said is only good at one thing and one thing only yeah uh, it's it, it, ash can fight a monster but it's likely he's fighting it because he let it escape by accident <laughs> yeah yeah or or yeah by accident uh, Due to his own cowardice, yeah, or just <laughs> or stupidity, or idiocy, yeah. or inability yeah. to listen. You know? <laughs> he's more like John McClane or someone like that. Yeah, really. Yeah, like where he's he's not inherent. He doesn't have any inherent gifts. He's just put through the ringer so much that he has no choice that but to become competent for his own survival. Right. And I think we yeah. said he's like Ripley. He's like a comedic version of Ripley. Yeah. The, yeah, the two characters have a lot in common. They really do. Um, where they're just sort of like normal people who have this horrible experience and it, and it changes them, you know, in profound ways. Yeah, like, because uh, Ash, like in Evil Dead 2... You know, he's he's a goofy fuck up and he gets his ass kicked all the time. But he's also the only one like, no, he's like, you all have to listen to me. There's something <laughs> out there in those woods. Do not go out there. Don't trust that's not your grandma in the basement. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a trick. Get an axe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we both just love this movie. We've loved it, yeah. you know, before we met and we bonded over it. When I first yeah. met you, you were dressed as Ash. I was dressed as the Invisible Man. That's right. And yeah. here we are, you know. <laughs> here we are, almost, oh God, 18 years later, right? Yeah, yeah. We're a, yeah. We're a college freshman later. Yeah. But oh, it is, man. it's like, it's one of those movies that if you grew up in the like 90s, you liked it. And you were like the only one in your high school that liked it. And then every, like you would go and you would finally like sort of venture out into the world and discover your kind who also yeah. liked army of darkness and evil dead Two And the evil dead, this was before like discovering these movies. Wasn't something that was like kind of laid out for you. They weren't, I watched this on HBO max. You, there's no way I, you had to buy one of the 900 <laughs> versions of this on home video. To find, right. to like, if you wanted to see it on, like, more than one occasion. And you would have to bond with other people in your life to share that joy of it. It, it wasn't as easy as it is now. I think it's great that these movies are out there and they're, you know, easily uh, easily found and accessible. I think streaming has made a lot of movies people would otherwise wouldn't see uh, viewable. And I think that's great. But I think I do miss that era where you felt like an island 
until you weren't. There is something to be said about like cult movies uh, in particular um, as a communal experience and a way to create community. Um, You know, a lot of my friends in high school they liked a lot of the weird shit that I'd show them, but they would ne- sometimes they would be like, "Okay, you're not picking the movie next time, dude." Yeah, it's like my <laughs> friends would be like, "Sam, we we will watch one episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. We don't want to watch all. We'll watch Cave Dwellers. We don't need to see like Red Zone Cuba." <laughs> yeah, or or it's like, "Oh, let's watch Repo Man," and you know, my friends are like, "I mean, I, it, it's fun. I, I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> I think that was my reaction when you showed me Repo Man. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes something's just for you. I remember showing a lot of my nerdy friends Near Dark, and it just didn't do anything for them. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Near Dark's and like a lot of those those cult movies uh, that is particularly when we were growing up that just started hitting DVD. Yeah. Like I remember when Near Dark came out on DVD, it was in that that two disc set. Like yeah. Art, Artisan put out or something. I think it was Anchor Bay. Anchor Bay. Yeah. Um, Anchor Bay was like Shout Factory before Shout Factory. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's like stuff like that where you wouldn't know about something until you, for us, for our generation, I think for people who really were grew up in the VHS era, um, it was probably similar, but a lot uh, harder to find some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, Because we were like a little bit after like the fanzine era. I wasn't subscribing to Fangoria, but we're a little bit, it was like a little too soon for the internet. Right. So it was just kind of like, what kind of would, what would you discover on late night cable? And what would sort of, what would the the cool nerdy guy at uh, the video store recommend to you? You know? Right. I mean, and I, uh, you know, uh, the early internet, there was uh, IGN ran this, uh, ran this thing that was uh, bottom of the basement or bottom of the shelf video reviews. Um, and they reviewed stuff like um, big trouble in little China and rock and rule, the <laughs> animated movie. <laughs> ah, yes. We're the, we'll, the, we're, we're, we'll, we'll have it to do a sub podcast about dirty cartoons that will likes <laughs> yeah. like sexy, goofy cartoons. <laughs> I mean, I think that's where I first read about Repo Man, too. So it was, like, a lot of stuff like that um, that I, I found my uh, my random slush pile or whatever. Yeah, I had, it. like, an issue of Entertainment Weekly that was, like, the top 50 cult films. And yeah. I sort of worked my way through that, and that's how I discovered, like, They Live. Yeah. And probably when I first saw Spinal Tap and when I first saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, things like that. Yeah, and... and, you, and when we were coming up, and especially where I was growing up, a lot of the independent video stores were going out of business because of Blockbuster. So you kind of had to hunt for some of that stuff. Um, you, or you'd have to go to the Hollywood video that had older VHS tapes. Yeah, I was lucky because um, I actually lived, at this point I was living in like rural Massachusetts. I lived in uh, Harvard at that point, And Blockbusters weren't like easy to get to. So, like, yeah. there would be, like, a local... Our local chain was called Video Signals. And we also had a general store in the center of town that had, like, a camera store up on the top floor that developed film, but also rented out videotapes in, like, black cases. And they oh. had, like, the, if, the, the oldest possible version. Like, I watched American Werewolf in London, and it was such an old copy that 
like when they're in the movie theater at the end and Griffin yeah. Dunn is just a skeleton, you couldn't see any of him. Oh, it was completely boy. in shadow. So when I finally saw the movie on DVD, I'm like, oh, wow. You're actually, I, I thought that was, I thought it was supposed to be shrouded in mystery. <laughs> like good luck watching a, a, a 1985 VHS copy of Halloween in like 2002. Oh, yeah. It's basically yeah. the soupiest movie you'll ever see. But that was my gateway for a lot of these movies. And yeah. they had V I didn't have cable, so they had VHS copies of Mystery Science Theater mo- episodes. And yeah. they had, uh, I'd say, are, are, the Evil Dead movies are this rare exception in that they weren't hard to find because they got released on VHS and on DVD, each one conservatively 600 times. So many. So many How copies. many times have you um, have you dipped on, uh, on any of these movies? I actually... I. I've only owned the DVDs of Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. I actually haven't double dipped on any of them. Oh, really? I've yeah. um I've probably double dipped on both. I went to <laughs> I I ha- I had the Oh my god, there's got to be at least 10 different versions of Army of Darkness. I had cuz there was there was the director's cut, the one that had like the paper bag looking cover. Right. There was the director's cut version that had the um the like real Frank Frazetta like ripped ash reaching up into Which the is air. The sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was like a theatrical version. There was a theatrical version that had no special features, and then there was the <laughs> Boomstick edition, and I right. think that's the one I had. And then I got the Shout Factory one that came out a couple years ago, and it was the same with Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Like Evil Dead, some of them had like open matte oh no like like it was like an open matte version some of them right. were like fake widescreen there was the book of the dead one that had that really stinky latex cave right because it know? was supposed to smell like de- like rotting bound flesh, in right? human flesh <laughs> and inked in blood <laughs> which i've heard is those now they if you can find a pristine one, they go for a lot of money on eBay. Because, oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah, because the 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 leather that they or the you know whatever they use to make it like now is falling apart. Yeah, because they were like, <laughs> it was really flimsy because it was like a puppy yeah. meant to look like a face. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it would scream right. You'd yeah, it was a little button and it would scream. make a little scream. Uh, yeah. yeah, they did them for the first two because also I think all three of these movies are like the rights are in different places, which is why. Yeah. When Ash versus Evil Dead came out, they couldn't make any reference to Army of Darkness because it was owned by Universal. Right, right. <sighs> so weird. It's. I mean, so that's, weird. that's how these things. It's, it, I mean, ha- right. I mean, that's how the Halloween film movies in the 80s. are the same way. Yeah. Like you know, you yeah. you'd buy the like I'm gonna buy. Oh, cool four Halloween movies for one, but it's all the like Weinstein ones. So it's like <laughs> Halloween six, H two O, Resurrection, and the remake. And they're like, oh, well, this doesn't track. <laughs> But yeah, I it's it's what yeah. you were saying about um, you know, being like the only one that was into it and and uh, you know, sort of finding other people that were into it. It I think it also led to people feeling very protective of the things. Yeah. That's why you get fans really angry about the idea of uh make uh, casting someone new as Ash and um I you know, you feel like oh, you're the one, you're the shepherd keeping the the lights right. on like for this first property, you know, while no one else likes it. It wouldn't even be a thing now if it weren't for me. So, you know, and then you go nuts on Twitter and you just you feel like they owe you something. And how how dare the Hulk be a woman now? You know, (laughs) God. yeah, but I mean, but I think you're right. I think uh, if you are the only one who likes a movie uh, in your immediate circle, 
um, you do. I think you do become it becomes part of your identity, and you become very protective. Of yeah, it. well, because you take he, it very personally. Because also, yeah. like there was a time when being into nerdy shit wasn't you know the most profitable thing in Hollywood, <laughs> and it was considered nerdy and dumb. And yeah, you know, you weren't these like these things weren't cool, and people would give you shit about it. And yeah, that's and that's rough because your opinion about like the, the things you like become completely wrapped up in who you are and your personality. It, it's yeah. uh, and they talk about it in high fidelity. It's like it's not it's not it's what you like, not what you are like. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, books, music, movies, these all matter. And in and in that and then, and then that just makes uh, nerdy people angrier because in that movie that philosophy gets him like in bed with Lisa Bonet. And in real life, it just makes you. It, would, it just it just it, makes it you would angry. Not. <laughs> you turn into a proud boy, you know. Oh boy! But I think to talk about franchises that used to not be so cool and that people were incredibly protective of, I might just take the opportunity now to segue into what we've got planned for our three-part season finale of yeah. uh, podcast part three. It's time. Somehow, Palpatine's returned. <laughs> it's a month of Star Wars, everyone. It's three weeks of it is the Palpatine trilogy. We're gonna get, we're gonna get so much cackling old mummy man. You won't know what to do with yourself. We're gonna start next week. We got Return of the Jedi, uh, which I believe is Star Wars Episode Six. Then Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, and then we're gonna close it out quote-unquote strong with <laughs> Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise, Rise of, Skywalker. of Skywalker. And we've, we've talked a lot about it, uh, at least in bits and pieces over these, these past 19 episodes. So um, this is going to be a big culmination. I haven't seen Rise of Skywalker since it was in theaters. So I, I started watching it sometime last year during pandemic boredom, and... Oh, like, I mean, we'll get to like, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about the sequel movies because yeah. they're the least fun ones to talk about because you want to talk about Star Wars nerds turning ugly on the internet. <laughs> that's kind of what those, that's what, that's what led to Rise of Skywalker. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, I, it, but it is like, if you're talking about part threes, especially like the conclusions of trilogies, those three movies are like like the most important ones to talk about in terms of can a story stick the landing in its narrative third act? Yeah. And the answer is, uh, in order, mostly, surprisingly, yes, and not at all. <laughs> well, so you're really going to run the gamut of like success compared to the prior two films and how it set the tone for what comes after. Well, and, and it's also interesting, too, in seeing three different trilogies uh, from three different decades. Um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, but in the same mega franchise. So that's going to be sort of interesting to look at. And honestly, Sam, I, uh, when I watch Star Wars movies, I tend to watch them in order. Like, if I'm going to watch the prequels, I'll tend to watch all of them. Or if I watch the original trilogy, I tend to watch... The, I, I've never watched... This is going to be interesting to watch three episodes kind of separately. Well, I mean, 
like, yeah, if I watch any one of the original trilogy, I'll end up wanting to watch the other two <laughs> for time reasons. Usually and I've I seen, don't, but... I've seen Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones a million times now. You know, how that's happened, I don't really know, but it's the case. I'm not eager to watch Force Awakens and Last Jedi again, but I probably should because I haven't seen either of them all the way through since the theater. I I uh, I watch I've I've watched Force Awakens and Last Jedi a lot, uh, so I I know those movies pretty well. Um, but I, it just it's just I've never watched sort of like oh I'm gonna sit down and watch Return of the Jedi. It's usually I'm gonna watch Empire Strikes Back or you know you know start at the beginning and watch all three hey um, if you want to watch all three you have my blessing it's it's they're oh, all very good I, you know? I, I don't think i will just because of time reasons but uh but that's usually what i do yeah it's um i'd say return of the jedi much like army of darkness is one that i have just nothing but love for right if i was objective about it it's it's a, a very flawed movie yeah. but i love it yeah. and i'm also of the opinion that the people that get on twitter and are like you know, Return of the Jedi sucks, too, when you think about it. It's like one of the saddest hot takes. <laughs> it's like when you go on Twitter and you read the hot takes of, like, Citizen Kane isn't the greatest movie ever made, you know? Yeah. Or, like, the Beatles are overrated when you think about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. What do you want to, like, okay. Like, you're, no, you're not fun. You don't sound fun. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, I'm in the same camp with you. As Return of the Jedi. In fact, the first time I ever like it ever occurred to me that people didn't like Return of the Jedi was when I saw Clerks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's because the whole world now is just ruled by Randall from the video store. Right. Well, and he doesn't. Who doesn't have enough Dantes in his life to you know moderate him? But I think, I, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I think there's something about when we were growing up that. Star Wars was pretty much just the three movies, the original three movies. And it wasn't like we didn't experience it in real time. It was, yeah. this is Star Wars. So we didn't. There was a little bit of ancillary stuff. Star Wars, yeah. it was three movies, a ride at Disney World, yeah. a couple of failed cartoons, the Ewok movies, and a really good Weird Al Yankovic song. <laughs> and that was about it. Yeah. You know? So, but it's like, so it's like when we encountered Star Wars, it was, you know, three movies all in one, you know, it was all one story to us. I think I'd have a different experience with them if I saw them one at a time as they were coming out. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, um, yeah. And, but it, it, so it's what I'm curious, especially when uh, when my son is old enough to watch all this Star Wars stuff because he's going to encounter Star Wars as there's going to be so much Star Wars shit he won't even know where to start. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you're not going to, it's not going to be like on it. Like I think the first time I saw Return of the Jedi is I went to like one of my parents' friends. They took me like when I was very little to like a an, a, an adult friends party yeah. and they had it on the TV. Yeah. And like I think the first time I had them on tape was we taped them off the sci-fi yeah, channel. Yeah, we, we, we taped them off, off, you know, whatever. I think it was just on like a network like ABC or whatever. Um, it's like you had to seek them out yeah. or they would you would just stumble upon them and the thing you stumbled upon was a movie as opposed to now it'll be a barrage of imagery. Right. Like he's going to know much like he like your your son is 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 a wee lad. He's still not even 3 years old. Yeah. And uh he knows Spider-Man 
but he's never, like, really seen any Spider-Man stuff. Well, I mean, now he has, but yes, I mean, like, before, you know, he mostly just was wearing Spider-Man stuff because we put him in it. But, like, it's gonna be weird for him to encounter Star Wars because it's not gonna be... Even the kids who grew up with the prequels, like, they didn't have as much Star Wars stuff as is happening now. And I don't know if you watched... I, I can't answer this until I do an ex- I do a social experiment with my son. I don't know if when you watch The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker, just without any of the baggage that came with it, without watching them, you know, the years that they came out, is it going to feel like a satisfying experience? I don't know. I can't like. It, I, can't. I guess. I guess. I mean, would he? Would in this in this case study? Have they seen the prior six movies? I would think so. I don't think the sequel trilogy works without having seen the other movies. But um, so I, I think you have to have seen. But I, I'm just wondering if you watch all nine movies from beginning to end, and you know, however you want to watch them. Um, I, I I don't know. I uh, I don't. I guess I'm not quite sure what my point is. But I just wonder if when kids encounter nine movies as they're set in stone, there's you don't have the years of anticipation, the you know months of speculation and hype and whatever. Is it going to be a satisfying experience? I don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I think that's like that's. I mean that'll definitely be the conversation for when we talk about Rise of Skywalker because. Yeah. I, I don't even, I can't say with any definitive, like, I can't, I don't know who those movies are for yeah. at the end of the day in a way where it's like, I know Star, the original Star Wars have, have like, the, the original trilogy has gone past being for any one group. Yeah. And it's pretty clear who, like, visually Lucas was making the prequels for. Right. Totally, he's a, <laughs> he's more than a little all over the place. But, like, there is a consistent vision there. Yeah. Like, yeah. those th- those are not good movies, and they're probably not better than the sequel trilogy, but they are the most interesting ones to talk about, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, movies. I, I agree. Uh, I agree. And uh, it's clear that, that, that at least in the, the upper echelons of Lucasfilm, people are very interested in the prequels and how they sort of work and don't work and and the particularly dave filoni (laughs) i I mean it's uh, we've talked about this many times both sober and especially drunk uh you can take everything from the prequels that entire toolkit that he gives you of characters and visuals and locations and aliens and 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 all of that and tell good stories with it yeah and they have there's like clone wars and the spin-off shows, and they've created characters. They have definitely made lemons out of uh, lemonade out of lemons uh, <laughs> uh, with that. And so I, I, it's I think with that, it's Lucas was certainly not a guy who showed up without ideas. No, he yeah. just needed someone else to maybe execute them. Yeah, and also, you know, you have to change. You have to change if if you're getting tired of something, or if you keep going back to the well. It's you got to either step away or hand it off to someone else, and I think yep. on a certain level, that's why I'm glad there isn't more Evil Dead stuff than there is. Yeah, because it's it's still very pure. All of yep. it that's there is made with enthusiasm and love from the filmmakers, and because it's and obviously, Star Wars is a massive family friendly, mostly PG PG thirteen sci fi fantasy epic, and Evil Dead is has more blood geysers than it knows what to do with. <laughs> I would say that 
these are still movies that you have to kind of discover on your own. Yeah. And the the only image from them is you're going to see a kind of beefy, chiseled dude with a chainsaw for a hand, and you're going to want to know more about him. Yeah. And you're going to discover three movies and some video games and a TV series, and it's going to give you either you're going to not be into it, or it's going to give you so much joy. But yep. it's very contained still. And yep. I like, I, I don't know, there's something to say about that as a trilogy of movies they can still just kind of be their own thing yeah. and they don't have the weight of, uh, to paraphrase that Nick Cage movie, the unbearable weight of massive success <laughs> yeah. on their shoulders. No, I mean, I think that's true. And I, I think, um, you know, I think you, you look at it as it is sort of a unique franchise in that way and that it, the custodians of it have been the original filmmakers and they've always come back to it when they felt like they needed to or when they felt like they wanted to. Um, it, you don't have like this perpetual motion machine that the Marvel is Marvel universe is going through right now where it's just yeah. like, it, you have to have more content and it has to keep coming and it has to keep coming out of this fire hose. <laughs> no, and nor has it had the, uh, like the Halloween franchise where it's kept sort of changing hands right. and it's never really found a consistent groove and it's original creators kind of walked away from it. Right. You know, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Rob Tappard, I'm sure, are so sick of hearing about Evil Dead and getting asked about Evil Dead. But at the same time, you know, they they they've never uh they've never grown resentful of it. You know, they've 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 always they've always made sure it was in good hands. Yeah, I mean and they and they they clearly I mean, you know, I think a lot of not a lot, but many filmmakers, they're like, well, yeah, I made some schlocky stuff in my past, but now I'm, I've am i hit the big leagues. I can do whatever I want. They've always been very... They've always been excited about what they did when they were younger. You know? Yeah. I know a lot of... And a lot of filmmakers who became huge and became auteurs in some form or another kind of disowned their... Don't ask James Cameron about Piranha 2 The Spawning. <laughs> don't ask David Fincher about Alien 3. Yeah. And don't ask Stanley Kubrick about Spartacus. <laughs> imagine imagine being so full of yourself that you can disown Spartacus. Spartacus. God. I didn't realize he had done that. Wow. I mean, it's I don't think he like full on was like I it, it's not like he went full Alan Smithy on it, <laughs> but it's like I think he it was a gig, you yeah. know. And if you are, it's like it, it doesn't feel like the rest of Kubrick stuff, no, but it is no. like you know, it, it it's not Piranha Two, the no. spawning. It's it's you know still a an epic. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, Peter Jackson is sort of the the other filmmaker who whose career sort of mimics Rami's a little bit. Um, yeah, it, he's taken a lot of inspiration from Rami. Absolutely, um, like like obviously Dead Alive, but also. There is so much Army of Darkness in the two towers. There are so many it's, gags that they pull, like the the gun the, the gunpowder gun gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like just visual like shots, like uh, Henry the Red coming down the hill in Army of Darkness is right there with you know Carl Urban and the Rohirrim yeah, yeah. in Two Towers. Like there's he because uh, he came from horror and sort of schlock and and that sort of stuff. And then he, while Sam Raimi was doing Spider Man, he was doing Lord of the Rings. Right. Both of those big gambles where a studio 
put their faith in a very what would be a very risky choice at the time yeah i mean and now you know a couple of uh filmmaker makes something like the evil dead they're just handed a, a marvel movie <laughs> yeah yeah you make you make like you, all you got to do is make one indie darling and you you're you can do jurassic world or you can do you know <laughs> whatever but yeah no uh star wars we're gonna have to talk about star wars yep. I mean, and I, I think it makes sense as a season closer because it is. It's like the the there are three trilogies, Sam. It's like it's 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 it's, it's a, a it's a trilogy yeah. of part threes. Yeah. It's a trilogy of of Palpatine cackling and and <laughs> having we, very we, strange, weird plans that don't make any a lick of sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we'll, it, it, it. We'll get into it. But. We'll break down his plans per movie. <laughs> I feel like some are more sound than others. And and his third plan. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, we'll, we'll get, get to there. the we'll get to the jar of Snokes when, we, when the time <laughs> comes. You know. And see, jar of Snokes and seizure planet. We'll, uh, we'll seizure planet there. and blacksmith space chimps. We'll know. get there. We'll get there. Uh, until then, as always, thank you all for uh, tuning in. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Podcast Part Three. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on the Stitcher. We are on the Spotify. Uh, give us a listen. Give us a, a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe. Check out some of our, our, our back catalog of episodes. And uh, tune in next week when we come back uh, to uh, 1983 with Star Wars Episode Six: Return, Return of the, the Jedi. Jedi. And until then, Will, any final thoughts? Uh, this is my boomstick. Oh, that sounds like I'm naked. That's not good. Oh. No, no. <laughs> they made underwear that said this is my boomstick. Uh, of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> uh. Are all men from your time loudmouth braggarts? Nope. Just, Just me, me, baby. Just me. <laughs> Give me some sugar, baby. Oh, it's so good. So good. I, could, I, I mean, it's, it's, I'm amazed we didn't quote it more. It's, <laughs> it just, it's not even quotes. It's just, it's just a vibe that enters it, it your really mind. Is. You know? It really is. Yeah. Oh, so many bone puns too. And skeleton yeah. puns. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Bye.